Well, hello everybody on futureprimitive.org. I'm absolutely thrilled, Joanna Harcourt-Smith, to be here today with Sandra Ingerman in her home in Santa Fe. And uh, so we're going to have a wonderful, intimate conversation. Sandra Ingerman is the author of Soul Retrieval, Mending the Fragmented Self by Harper San Francisco. Welcome home, following your soul's journey home, a fall to grace, and medicine for the earth. She is also the author of The Beginner's Guide to Shamanic Journeying and The Soul Retrieval Journey, lecture program, and the book and CD program Shamanic Journeying, A Beginner's Guide, produced by Sounds True. Sandra has an MA in Counseling Psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies, and Sandra is a licensed marriage and family therapist and professional mental health counselor. Well, Sandra, I was reading your website this morning, Uh and uh, please, would you say your website for our friends who want to uh, learn more about you? Well, I have uh, one website, www.sandraingerman.com, which has some articles on my work so that people could um, uh, read the articles and get a sense of what my work is about, and they're short. And then I have a website, uh, shamanicvisions.com forward slash Ingerman, and on there I do a monthly column where I try to keep people inspired to keep up their spiritual work, to stay focused and centered during these changing times, and to also be a positive influence on the planet. So, Sandra, it came to me that what I would love to open this interview with you about is language. Mm. I heard you speak a couple of months ago, and I really appreciated the way you use language and the things you say about words being things. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Words are are very important. And I I think in um, our culture, in a Western culture, we don't really understand how important they are. Um, When you look cross-culturally around the world and you look at the different creation myths that go with different cultures, um, most creation myths talk about the world was created from a sound or a word. And so words have an incredible amount of potential for creation. Um, In the Sanskrit language, the Sanskrit language is a language of vibration so that every time you actually say a syllable or a consonant, It's believed that something gets sent up into the universe and then manifests back down again. The Hebrew language is also a language of vibration, too, and you see the same thing where um, in that tradition there are a lot of different stories about how you can heal or you can destroy um, with your words. I like to think of words as seeds. I, I use a lot of gardening metaphors in my own life and in my teaching, And whatever seeds you plant are going to grow, and then we end up eating the fruits of our seeds. 
um, there's an Aramaic expression that many of us grew up with without understanding that it was really Aramaic. Um, abracadabra is what we um, went around saying as children, but the actual Aramaic is abrat adhabra, and it means I will create as I speak. That's the literal definition. So when we were running around as little kids saying abracadabra, we were actually saying I will create as I speak. And in indigenous cultures, the power of words are really understood, and I think that's why when we're around indigenous people, they don't speak very much because there really is a tremendous amount of, there's a creative ability that comes with every word that is spoken. In our culture, because we really don't um, validate the invisible, and it's the invisible, it's our thoughts and words uh, which actually create a physical manifestation in, in life. When we talk about... Um, the metaphysical principle of as above, so below, as within, so without. The as within is our thoughts and our words, and the as without is our physical manifestation. That comes from that. So when we speak, we are creating constantly as we speak because there is an energy, there's a vibration behind our words that actually creates something physically in the world. I'll be a little bit personal sure. and I'll say to you, as you have been careful with words so that without would happen in a way <laughs> that would uh, empower you, has, has this worked in your life? Yes, and, you know, it's interesting because people oftentimes say to me at my workshops, um, you know, you're a great communicator, you have a way of, of working with words, and I was one of those people who I didn't speak until I was four years old, and my mother took me to different doctors, and I grew up in New York, and they took me to a specialist, and he assured my mother that as soon as I had something to say, I would say it. <laughs> And so uh, <laughs> so I, I was pretty quiet, but then as a child, I was extroverted. And when I started to teach, being an intuitive person, I didn't really say words in a particular order. And when I first started teaching workshops, because everybody always knew what I meant, you know, I'd talk mm -hmm. with my hands. And when I first started teaching workshops, I started getting lawyers and doctors in my workshops, and they couldn't follow my train of words. <laughs> and so I really had to learn how to slow down, mm -hmm. watch my word order, and what I was actually saying. And I definitely... Um, um, Manifestation creation is, is a real uh, topic of interest in my life, and it has been ever since I was a child. And I've, I definitely have found on a personal level that I've needed to learn how to change my, especially my self-talk, what I say about myself, mm -hmm. because you do find that whatever the power of whatever you're thinking or what you're saying does manifest and if I'm constantly saying I'm not good at this or I can't do this, then that's what I end up manifesting. And so I've learned how to be more careful with the words that I use, and I've definitely found it's helped me um, create um, 
a good world for myself and hopefully for the rest of all of life. <laughs> well, in your February uh, Transfiguration News, mm-hmm. um, you spoke about the fact that a lot of people had reported lately a dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. a three o'clock in the morning right. yes, yeah. situation. And in some ways I feel that perhaps this is what we're going through mm-hmm. on the planetary level as well. Mm-hmm. So specifically, sometimes when I go through a dark time, I speak to myself in a way that's not not so kind or positive. Yes. Yes. So how do we live with these dark nights of the soul mm-hmm. and continue to manifest for the better? Mm-hmm. Well, what I do for myself, because I ha- I've, I've had a good life, but it's not been an easy life. And what I do for myself when I move into a state of fear, or when I move into a state of depression, is I try to find that observer part of myself so that I don't invalidate, I don't say to myself, you should not be feeling this. Mm -hmm. Because in my experience, that ends up fueling whatever it is that you're feeling. So I acknowledge that I'm feeling fear or I'm feeling disappointment or frustration or depression. And I acknowledge that and observe that and I try to look at what's behind that from a creative point of view, from a spiritual point of view, behind all of our egoic thoughts, there still is a state of perfection. There, you know, I still am a child of the earth and, and the spirits and, there, and love. And so to keep working with replacing... Um, not invalidating, mm-hmm. yes, I'm feeling yeah. like this, but replacing that self-talk with another statement, and I am also being held in love by the universe. I am also um, a loving being. I am divine light. There is a perfection in this situation. I think that, um, and I wrote about this in my March transmutation news. Uh-huh. Um, so we get the, a preview. Next, you got the preview, <laughs> and there's more to it that's coming out in March if people want to see that. Um, there's, you know, basically what's needed right now to heal the planet is we really need to be living a conscious life. And so when everybody's talking about that they want change, I think a lot of people don't really understand what they're asking for because the change that's needed to make the world a better place and to make our lives better is to live more of a conscious life. Um, seeing um, and and bridging together spirit into manifest form and not just seeing everything on the material world. And what I was talking about on the February transmutation news is that as we're only looking at the material, we're seeing the material dissolve in front of our eyes because Uh it's only the spiritual that is eternal. Um, And so, you know, we're actually seeing a lot dissolving right now, which is, you know, creating a lot of dark states of consciousness for people because naturally fear comes up when we start to see what is dissolving and we don't really have a sense of where we're going to, it naturally brings people into a state of fear. 
And so if we could remember that it really is our thoughts and words that are creating every step of our present, which leads to our future, to acknowledge the um, dark thoughts and the dark states that come up, but to keep replacing them with um, positive thoughts and words, it's not an easy thing because we're in a habitual you know, we just talk to ourselves habitually without not paying attention. What I try to do in my own life, um, because I do think very fast, I do react very fast, Mm -hmm. is I put reminders up. I have post-its on my desks with words that remind me about what I am trying to create. I have pictures of nature and beauty up around Um, In my day runner, in my class notes, I always have post-its with words that bring me back when I lose my focus, Mm -hmm. when I lose my center. Don't forget, this is what you're trying to manifest. This is what you're trying to create in your life, and it's not going to happen unless you replace what you're thinking and what you're saying right now with a different perception. You speak, and I and I love that, you speak about taking a gratitude walk. Uh-huh, yeah. And I like that just to, just to steer you a little bit because it brings us together with the earth. Right, right. And that's part of, for me, part of living a conscious life is not seeing ourselves separate from the earth or separate from nature, and that's part of what's creating so much illness in our culture today is the separation from nature um, and the earth. And so um, from a spiritual point of view, I work with the practice of shamanism. And in shamanism, it's believed that everything is alive and the earth is alive. Air is a living being and it's alive. Water is a living being and it's alive. Fire, fire as in the sun, which gives us life, um, is a living being and it's alive. And if we start our day not asking for anything, but being in appreciation to the elements and to nature around us for all the life that we're being given through the beauty of the earth, through the nurturance, physical nurturance of the earth, the air that we breathe, the water that we bathe in, the water that we drink, the sun that we absorb, the energy for life, if we start from a place of uh, gratitude, it, it creates a, a road, it creates a particular energy that you can ride for the rest of the day. If you wake up saying, oh God, another day, I have to go to work, and then you're trying to change your thoughts into a positive place from there, you're, you're already starting at a minus amount, and you have to work a lot harder to be able to... Um, to create a good, positive day. If you start with a good, positive day, at least you got a good start on your path. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall off during the day, which we all fall off mm-hmm. the path. You, you get back on. You stand up, you get back on. Um, it, it gives us a good foundation to start from. When we, when we think about what are we in gratitude for instead of, oh, God, what do I have to face today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a completely different energy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sandra Ingerman, what is it like to be a woman shaman? 
Well, um, I would never call myself a shaman. It's bad luck to call yourself a shaman, but other people do. Yes. <laughs> um, but practicing shamanism, it's, you know, it's actually wonderful. Um, I am, right now, I'm 55 years old. Um, I don't have a lot to prove in life. I, um, I love to work with people and to help them um, heal from a spiritual perspective and get their life back to a place of joy. Um, part of shamanism is connecting spiritually with um, different helping spirits and nature. So from a feminine point of view, it's, um, it's a sense of being that changes the world. It's not all the action it's not, oh my God, what can I do to make the world better? It's, it's really living a good conscious life. And so from a feminine perspective, it's more what you're not doing is what creates a better world for all of life than what you are doing. Because oftentimes the living a very active life actually can be a distraction from the deep inner work that needs to happen on the inside to create a world filled with peace, abundance, joy, equality, um, harmony, love for all. So um, as a woman, it's a natural state to be able to work on the inside from a place of being. So um, it's actually a real joy to be doing the work from that place. Because you know, um, from a feminine perspective, it, it truly is what we emanate um, from inside of ourselves is going to be what creates the world that we're all seeking right now. And that we need for our children and grandchildren. Yes, yes. yes. We want our descendants, we, I know we all want our descendants to sing about their ancestors who created a good world them. Oh, beautifully said. Yeah. <laughs> I will go back to the darkness for mm -hmm. a moment. And I read that last year you were saying to uh, practitioners who were listening to you that um, it was necessary perhaps at this time not to, um, to pause too strongly on the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to ask you, there, there's, in a way, there's, there's, a, there's a contradiction there. How can, how can people who have been through great trauma and who perhaps are only discovering it at this mm -hmm. time, how can they also access the lightness mm -hmm. of their spiritual being? And I mean this in terms of light. Sure, yeah. And, well, your question has been um, a journey for me over the years. And when I first started uh, performing soul retrievals, bringing back lost parts of ourselves that got lost through trauma, I would get information, what the person was wearing at the time of the trauma, all the details, yeah. everything that was going on. And what I found in my own practice and what other practitioners were reporting back is that People were getting so focused on the details of what happened to them at the past that they weren't understanding that now they got back what they needed to create a different present and future that wasn't 
as abusive as their past. Mm. And so when I work with clients, I, I tell clients that um, I've never met a person who the story has created healing. Hearing about your traumas, talking about your traumas, actually does not really create healing. And if you look at the brain mapping, and you know we have so much ability to map the brain now and see mm-hmm. different things, it's been discovered that the part of us that actually speaks and can understand rationally turns off during a trauma. And so um, to keep talking about a trauma over and over and over again, that part of you that was was there during the trauma, the part of your brain that can speak about it from a rational perspective actually turned off during that time. And so what I started to learn over the years of working with thousands of people and training hundreds and hundreds of practitioners was it is important to look at what happened to you. Definitely, we have to look at what happened to us. Otherwise, you end up doing what we call is a spiritual bypass. And, and that comes and it just hits you in the head throughout life because you've got to look, you've got to see what's running you, you know, mm-hmm. what is that old stuff that's running you. But what I started to notice was for the people who looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, it started to become an excuse what happened to them in the past. It actually can become an excuse about why you can't create what you want now. And when I started to keep looking um, and, and searching all the different levels of spiritual healing and what soul retrieval means and what what soul is, soul is really light. And so you're getting back your, your own soul essence, you're getting back your own light. And so in order for that to truly be a healing for people, I started to work with teaching people how to absorb that light into their cells. Uh, So, for example, I ask people to think of a metaphor like a a dry sponge that's been put in water or um, a flower that's been in the rain too long and the sun comes out. What does it feel like to soak up that light Mm. and ever since I started doing that I I can't even describe the difference of the results that I'm getting of how people all of a sudden feel I'm home I'm home for the first time in my life and I feel it physically in every cell of my body and then they can go on from there so what we're looking at in a Western psychological, a modern psychological culture, is that balance of not denying that you had traumas in your past. But when do you go, okay, I had traumas in my past, and I'm now an adult, and I have different choices now than what I had in the past, and I can tap into my creative energy to create a positive present and future for myself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, my eyes got really attracted to your pendant, uh-huh. which in my words would be a figure of Isis. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I wanted to ask you a double question. Uh-huh. Would you speak about your relationship to Isis and your relationship to joy? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was interesting. Um, back in the 80s, I went on a vision quest. I was going through a tough time in my life, and I felt like I had to just get away from everything. Telephones, work, uh, clients, workshops. I just had to get away. And I... I it's a it's a very long story, but I'll I'll keep the shortened version. I went a very drastic route. I had fasted on fruit only for thirty days, and wow. then once I was ready to go out on the vision quest, which was um, in New Mexico, and it was mm-hmm. in summer and it was hot, and I was sitting outside, no food or water for days. <laughs> And so I got very, very, very altered, and I saw a vision of a grandmother come up to me. And she said, if you want a vision, if you want your vision that you're looking for, go into that sweat lodge. There was a sweat lodge on the property, and go to sleep, and your vision will come in a dream. So at first I fought it, because, no, I'm going to sit out in the sun, and I'm not going to sleep. Um... And finally I gave in and I went into the sweat lodge and I fell asleep and the Egyptian goddess Isis came to me Mm. and she said, I'm coming to you as a teacher Mm. to help you bring um, peace and balance back to the planet again. Mm. And so she's been a real teacher for me. She's a teacher of tough love. You know, she doesn't... um, um, the American expression, it's actually an old American expression of pull up your socks, stand up, you know, stop whining. Yeah. <laughs> stand up. So, you know, she doesn't let me whine. Um, but she she's who uh, helps me write my books, um, all my writing. It's not that I channel her, but that yeah. she's a real part of my teaching, my writing, everything that comes through me for the general public and for the world. As far as joy goes, yes. Um, when I was a little kid, I, I was a real happy child. And when I was a teenager, I um, there were different events that happened in my life, very spiritual events. I had three near-death experiences in my life um, that taught me that the purpose of being born onto this planet was to experience joy. And... Depression is something that I've struggled with my whole entire life. Um, so there's always been this contradiction in my life of the spiritual message that I've received is I'm pure joy and my only purpose in life is to experience joy. But yet I was always trying to commit suicide on some yeah. level. you know. So there was this always this strange pull. And that's what actually put me on my spiritual path because I never, I didn't go the traditional route of trying to deal with my depression. Um, I, I just followed a spiritual path of how could my spirits, how could working spiritually, and again, not denying anything about my mm-hmm. life, but how can working spiritually create healing in my life? And of really devoting my life of, you know, 30 years to working with people and being on a very strong spiritual path myself, I have come out of that depressed state. I can't say I never get depressed, mm-hmm. but, um, but I don't live in a depressed state wondering mm-hmm. where the joy is. And I definitely um, am more in touch with the joy. And... Um, 
again, it's so much learning how to work with our thoughts and our words, um, you know, digging up those beliefs that have been planted inside of us by the collective about yeah. what we can't do. I think um, repressing our creative energy creates depression, takes away the joy. Um, not believing that we're all creative geniuses. I always talk about this in my lectures of how when we were growing up, we were told that there are only a few creative geniuses in the world and we're not one of them. Yeah. If you shine too, if you shine your light too bright, you're not going to get love, yeah. you're going to get into trouble. Uh -huh. You know, this is stuff that we all grew up with. And and yet we're trying to find joy. How, how do you experience joy if you're not letting your creative energy flow? Um, when I'm writing, I am... Joy is just pounding through me. Yeah. Um, for some people, art, you know, drawing yeah. is like that. For some people, dancing is like that. Um, you know, there are so many different ways to create. Cooking, knitting, um, sculpting. You know, there's so many different ways to create. We get lost on the definition of creativity. And so I, I made a commitment to myself as a teenager. I remember the moment I did it of saying that I will um, keep on looking for how to bring joy into my life and live a joyful life, and I will not give up to my last breath. It might not work out, but I'm not going to give up till my last breath. <laughs> <laughs> Your last breath will be joyous. Yes. And I have lots of joyous breaths, and... Um, you know, so it, it's it's definitely a work in progress. I mean, oftentimes our gifts are our challenges. And I've definitely gotten in touch with my inner state of being is joy. I've definitely gotten in yeah. touch with that. There's no doubt. It's, it's all the belief systems that I've created for myself in my own life. And learning how to dissolve and dismember all of that has been a has been a work in, in progress, and that's part of um, part of what my service is about. I really feel in the world is to keep people from giving up. You know, joy is possible. Um, a healed planet, a healthy planet, is possible, and it really is our own beliefs that are clouding our ability to. Uh, create positive change for ourselves and for the planet. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think soon we'll bring this around. Mm -hmm. And um, I would like to ask you about the human web of light. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we talk about spirit, uh, we don't, you know, our own spirit. We don't really, I think we use that word a lot without understanding what it means. Yeah. And so I've had the opportunity to work with people who don't understand even how to begin with the word spirit. Mm -hmm. And what I say to them is we talk about in our culture body, mind, and spirit. If you take away the body, you dissolve the body. And if you take away the mind and our past experiences... We're just pure spirit. And as spirit, we're just pure divine light. We are a true reflection of the creator 
um, God, the goddess, the power of the universe, whatever Mm -hmm. words work for people, um, we are just spiritual light. And so in doing um, the work that I do with teaching people how to work to reverse environmental pollution, I try to get people to understand that there's spiritual light, and as spiritual light, everything is divine um, around us. And so I decided on my uh, monthly website to create a full moon ritual because there are thousands of people around the world and who love to do ceremonies together. Mm. Um, the best feedback I get is when I have ceremonies um, during the month for the world community to get involved in, where I ask people to uh, go inside and imagine yourself, you know, travel deep inside and find that spiritual light and let it shine. And then to imagine yourself connecting with um, hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are also shining their light. And to imagine weaving a tapestry of light within and throughout the earth, bringing light to all the dark places on the planet. And so we do that um, every month, and it doesn't take any spiritual knowledge or particular spiritual practice. I just ask people to go inside themselves and imagine their own divine light shining with thousands of people around the world doing that on the same day together. Um, And the more, from physics and quantum physics, um, there's a teaching that a particle that is vibrating at a lower frequency will change to meet a particle that is vibrating at a higher frequency, not the reverse. You can't bring a particle down that's vibrating at a higher frequency. So the point of creating a human web of light is creating a light frequency on the planet that starts to um, jumpstart the light in uh, all the beings of the world to actually start to uh, radiate in a particular way to, um, I, I like the term from a, a healer who died a few years ago of helping people find their own radiance. Mm. And one way to help people find their own radiance is to be around radiance. If you're in a room with a person who is radiating, you start to radiate. True. So the point of creating a human web of light is thousands of people radiating with the understanding that other beings on the planet will start to meet that frequency too. And tomorrow we have a full moon and we have an eclipse. Yes. yes. So meet all of you. Meet all of you. Yeah. So Sandra, would you like to say a few words in closing, perhaps about your favorite thoughts and feelings (laughs) at the moment? Well, um, this, the spiritual work that we do really does make a difference. It really does make a difference. And for people who are feeling disempowered right now, that all the problems seem so big, the problems with um, climate change, with war on the planet, with poverty, with illness, um, there, there is a place where we can all work together to really understand that it's the invisible that creates 
the manifest forms. And so the more that we can make a choice as a world community to start to uh, transform our negative states of consciousness and to keep focused and not lose our focus, but to keep focus on what we would like to see in the world, that will happen. And it is the spiritual work that we do um, that does make a difference and that it is who we become, it is our inner self, who we become inside that is manifested outside. So as we start to move into brighter light states of consciousness and say, yes, things don't look so good right now, but can you imagine if millions of people around the world worked on their own inner state to create a different reality, that reality is here for us right now to call into being. And shamans around the world have been saying for a very long time, we're dreaming the wrong dream. Mm-hmm. And so we all, we all can use our imagination and our spiritual gifts to start to dream a good dream into being for all of life. And it is possible. It absolutely is possible. We were born to live a life of joy, the joy of being able to bring spirit into manifest form. It is our birthright to fully shine our light in the world and be creative um, in that sense. Thank you so, so, so very much. Yes, you're welcome. My pleasure.